welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 30. We are officially 30, flirty, and thriving. (laughs) Okay, maybe not exactly flirty, but definitely 30 episodes in and thriving. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If this is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming back. As usual, I feel like I just have to say thank you so much to everyone who has reached out and written messages and reviews, especially on Apple Podcast. That really does help people to find the show. So if you're enjoying the show, please, if you'd be so kind to leave a review, I would be so appreciative. Today's episode is a really good one. I am speaking with Deirdre Darst, who is a fellow autism mama, and she has quite a resume. (laughs) She is also a speech and language pathologist, and she is a blogger. She has her own blog, and she's an author. She's written two books. So we get into all that, and she also does amazing advocacy work uh, in her home state of West Virginia. So We talk all about that, and she really has a a really incredible story, and she was just super fun to talk to. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Deirdre. Hello. Hello, Deirdre. Does this sound better? (laughs) Take two. Okay. Deirdre had a little bit of technical difficulties. (laughs) Okay. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. And thank you again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you again. Um, you just have so much wonderful stuff to say, and I wanted to come in clearly, but I think this we're, we're in a better place now, so this is good. Okay, good. good. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm just going to reiterate. So Deirdre and I connected on social media, on Instagram. There was another wonderful mom that I follow that had posted a a link with Deirdre's book. Deirdre has a children's book about autism. And she was just telling me she actually has another book. So she's an amazing author. She's the second author I've had on so far. Um, But we were just kind of chatting about sort of the beginning of your story, which starts even before your son was born, it sounds like. It did. Um, I am a speech language pathologist. And I've always worked with kids. Um, I had been working for about three years before I had my first son and autism was actually my greatest fear in having kids. I just, I saw these kids every day and how hard it was and all the things that their families went through. And I just thought, wow, that is like the thing that I just could not handle. I just couldn't do it. Um, so then (laughs) fast forward a few years. Um, and like I said before, um, my sons are 12 months and six days apart. So, um, they're very close (laughs) and yeah, um, you don't realize how close that is until you see them side by side and you're like, wow, that's, that's very close. Um, but essentially I got pregnant when my older son was four months old. (laughs) So, um, we had done IVF for our first child. So then surprise, we got a free baby uh, (laughs) when he was four months old. (laughs) So, um, the first book I wrote is called buy one, then get one free. (laughs) our journey from infertility to autism. And that's also on Amazon. And I had actually sat down to write the autism story. And I just kept going back and talking about our infertility struggles, because that was such a big thing in our lives and really shaped me as a person. And I still even though I have kids, like, 
infertile is still part of who I am. Um, and unless you've been through that, that probably doesn't make any sense at all. But if you've been through it, you totally get it. So, um, mm-hmm. But because I had, I mean, I worked with kids and I knew development and I had an older son, I was comparing. And I know you're not supposed to do that, but <laughs> I did. So hard. Um, it is really hard. And even though you know every kid is different, you, you still do it. So, um, <laughs> when Colin well, was, I'm sure with them being so close in age, like it's like, mm-hmm. how do you not? exactly. And both boys and, right. you know, it's easy. A lot of times if you have a boy and a girl, people will say, oh, boys are just later developing. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're comparing to a boy, <laughs> you know, um, but when Colin was about six months old, he was having just tummy troubles. He was fussy and gassy. Um, so I think looking back, that was my first sign that something was off. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time his first birthday rolled around, I remember I had a professor in college who said, people will say they didn't see signs of autism in their kids until they were older. Mm-hmm. But if they go back and look at their first birthday video, they'll see sensory issues with their birthday cake. <laughs> like they didn't want to touch it at all or something like that. Mm-hmm. So in the back of my mind at his first birthday party, I hadn't told a soul, but I was watching like, okay, what is he going to do with this cake? And he had it all over him. I mean, it was red icing in his hair <laughs> on his clothes. And I was like, hallelujah, he's okay. <laughs> um, but by the time he was 15 months, I was worried about his play skills. So my best friend is an OT. And I said, will you do a developmental assessment on him? And at that point, he was a little behind because he wasn't talking yet, but not enough that he would have qualified for early intervention. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just crazy. Like, my family's right. I know too much. It's okay. And I think like every other mom, I didn't want it to be autism. So I just kept hoping, well, it's, it's just a delay. You know, he'll catch up. And I told myself that for a really long time. And question everything under the sun, like everybody does, you know. Mm. Um, And then I kept thinking, well, he responds to his name. He makes good eye contact. He's affectionate, you know, but the language just really wasn't coming. And I kept thinking, what can't be autism? He doesn't have sensory issues. And that was like the thing that I kept clinging to. And then one day we were on vacation and I just had this light bulb moment. I was like, oh, my gosh he has sensory issues. He's chewing on everything. That's a sensory thing. And mm-hmm. it's gotten to this point where it's like, oh, that's just Colin. He just does that. And then it was like just this aha moment of, oh my gosh, that's not just Colin. He doesn't just do that. He's doing that because he has sensory issues. So he was two and a half before I called in early intervention. Um, and even our team then, like on the screenings, he was a maybe. It was never like a yes, he definitely does this or he definitely doesn't do that. It was like, well, he does those things sometimes. Um, And I think had we had him evaluated at two and a half, he would have gotten a diagnosis. I just probably wasn't ready for it and just kept hoping, oh, well, now, okay, it's not just a delay, but maybe it's just sensory processing disorder. And by the time he was three, like, okay, we, this is, this is more than just, the sensory, it's, it's definitely spectrum, but at this point, it's not going to change anything. He's not going to school yet. We don't need a diagnosis. Um, 
but by the time he was he was three and a half and that's when I started to look into ABA and I'm like okay if we want ABA we have to go get this diagnosis and of course I knew before we even walked in there he was going to come out with one <laughs> and um he of course he did and um I had actually already typed up like my big social media announcement before we even went in. And cause you know, it's not official until it's Facebook official. <laughs> and, um, so that's what we say here in West Virginia anyway. Um, but after we came out, I didn't share it because I thought this is personal. I, I don't owe the world an explanation mm-hmm. and I just kept it to myself, but I started a blog just for me. I didn't share it with anybody yet. And every time he did something that I was proud of, I felt like I couldn't brag on him because nobody would understand. Like, why is it a big deal that your three-year-old held your hand in the parking lot? And I thought, you know what? I don't owe the world an explanation, but I owe it to Colin to speak up for him and to advocate and be his voice. So January of last year, I made my blog public. Um, It's the slpmom.com. I don't know if you've seen that. I have uh, yet. I'm excited to go back and look at it now. And well, I just kind of share our story and things that happen. And um, at first it was just cathartic for me <laughs> to write. Mm-hmm. And it was also like, hey, if I write a story about going to the grocery store being difficult, somebody reads that. Next week, they see us having a hard time in the grocery store. Maybe they won't judge us. They'll think, oh, yeah, remember, that's hard for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know that that judgment <laughs> that oh, you get yeah. sometimes um and then people started to message me and say wow you know I didn't know this thank you for sharing or I feel this way too I just didn't know how to say it um so then that's kind of where writing the book came from and so I wrote the first book in April last year and then the children's book um, I work in the school system as an SLP and I was going back to work in August and my older son started kindergarten. And I remember thinking, he, he knows autism. Like, this is his life, and this is just the way it is. But all of his little friends at school don't know autism. And how can I help that? So that's where my book came from, Artie's Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wanting to, I guess not even so much about awareness at this point, I want acceptance. And I feel like the way we get that is to start early with kids. Mm -hmm. They're so smart and they're so accepting and loving. And I think if we just teach them how to treat kids on the spectrum, they'll do it. But Mm -hmm. we have to give them models and talk about it and not make it this thing like, Oh, we can't talk about them because they're different. Mm -hmm. Um, you can tell me to stop at any point if you want no. to stop. Oh, oh gosh, no. I'm just- <laughs> You're doing so great. Um, it's funny how you just said that about, you know, you're, you're going for acceptance more so than awareness, which I, I totally agree with. Like, I feel like, and I feel like we are like really getting close to mm-hmm. that acceptance happening. But I still feel like the awareness is so important, especially at that young age, because mm-hmm. a lot of kids you know, in kids that you would want to read your book, it's like, they might see your son or my son or any, any other child in the spectrum and think, oh, they're, they're weird. They're acting differently. And it's like giving them that 
just the tools to know like, oh, maybe they have autism. That's where I think the awareness mm-hmm. is so important because it's like we're we're all aware that that autism exists, but like little kids like that, like they might not be aware yet. You know what I mean? That's true. So I love that it's like the book targets a young audience because mm-hmm. we we do. It's so important to have have that awareness, like starting from a young age, because I feel like if we can get this young generation mm-hmm. in the know, then like that that inclusion piece is going to to come with them. Yes. Well, and that's the thing, like at the beginning of the book, I talk about how like we're all different and it's a good thing. Like Mm -hmm. we are meant to be our own people. We should not be exactly alike. And it's really cool that we're all different and unique. And then go on to introduce this character who has autism and just kind of talk about, hey, he might do this. And if you see him do this, it's okay. Some things are harder for him. And, you know, he uses a device to communicate because my son uses a device and I just wanted that piece in there of, you know, just because somebody doesn't talk doesn't mean they don't have something to say. Um, I love that you put that in there. I, I had another author on a little while back who also wrote a children's book about autism. Uh, it was Rachel M. Quayar and her book is called Why Is He Doing That? Which is another fantastic. Oh, I love that. Yes, it's a wonderful, fantastic children's book about autism. Um, but her character is is able to speak. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many children and adults with autism who are nonverbal. So I love that you added that in the book. And there's that piece of like, you know, maybe maybe this person doesn't communicate with words, but they can communicate in another way. Mm-hmm. And it's like that that is so important for kids, too, because I feel like at least with my son, I don't know with yours. I think that is like probably the hardest thing for kids to get is they just are like, well, why doesn't he talk? Like, and, and they're, they're, they're so sweet and innocent. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're saying it in a, you know, a rude way, but it's like, they, they genuinely don't understand. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you need to kind of give them like plant that seed of like, yeah, there, there's some people that, you know, they're not able to to talk with words verbally, but they're still able to communicate with you and let you know, what they need or want or are thinking and again it's just like if we can get young kids on board with this then I feel like we're just setting everything up so much better for the future right and that's that was my thought because like we were talking about people who judge and not to sound judgy myself (laughs) but it's usually (laughs) the older generation and they kind of roll their eyes and you know your kid just needs a good spanking and it'll take care of that And it's hard to change that thought that people have. Mm -hmm. They just don't understand autism. But like you said, if we work with this younger generation and if they grow up knowing what autism is and how it can look and ways that they can include these kids, then I think then that's progress. Um, And for me, um, I just, I guess the the SLP (laughs) part of me, um, I look at these kids and, you know, I know they have things to say, Mm -hmm. Um, but a kid, like you said, they don't really know and they might not understand a device or a picture exchange system or whatever, but if you expose them to it, then they do pick up on that. So I think that that was just my biggest goal. And then I'm thinking, you know, Finley will have these little friends and what if they come to our house someday? How do I want them to treat Colin? Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, hey, if you're playing, ask him to play. He might not look you in the eye, but that's okay. Um, 
So yeah, that's yeah. I set it up so that I could do it as a series eventually. Oh, because wow. I'm, I'm thinking um, it'll be Artie's Adventures, um, and I'm thinking taking like social stories and turning them into little books. Um, I just I think writing is my thing. Like I'm an SLP, but I think I was meant to be a writer. Like I just it I sounds really like it. it. Well, <laughs> first of all, you you are a writer. You're an author. You have written. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a blog so I think let's just give yourself the title there you um, go for sure that that's incredible I, I feel like your your story is so interesting because and I was taken with that when you first had we were first having correspondence you said my my biggest fear going into parenting was autism and I mm-hmm. that was like so interesting to me that it was like something that you would had on your mind even before you had kids and then mm-hmm. you know by some like crazy twist of fate and like that's that's what you obviously are dealing with now mm-hmm. and I'm curious what now now that you have have a child with autism are you still fearful of it or are you no, no. okay yeah that that's an emphatic no <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I wrote about this in my first book but I think actually experiencing it changed my perspective um, because I just looked at families who, you know, I saw them 30 minutes or 60 minutes a week. I didn't see their whole life. And, you know, I might catch them on a bad day where they were worn out. They had had, a, a, you know, it was a bad day at school. It was a bad day getting to therapy. It was a bad month, you know, those things. And I think the part that I missed because I wasn't a parent yet, that's still your baby. You know, it didn't change him at all. Um, it makes things harder for him. And that breaks my heart to see him struggle with things. And before he had his communication device, when he couldn't tell me what he wanted and he would be frustrated, that was, that was hard. And yes, those things are still hard now. Um, but I just think actually being in it and I'm like, you know what? He is still wonderful and amazing. Mm-hmm. And the diagnosis didn't change that. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that, that is like my soapbox now. Um, yeah. <laughs> like it just, you know, um, and I think that's my biggest advice for, you know, parents of newly diagnosed kids. It's like, mm-hmm. you're going to be sad. You will have moments um, and that's okay. Have those, mm-hmm. but you won't stay there. You know, I think, right. I think it comes in waves. Yeah, for sure. I had a, a similar kind of epiphany to what you're talking about. And I, I think it was, I don't know if it was like right before, like Logan was diagnosed or right after. I think it was before because kind of like what you're saying, we definitely knew the diagnosis was coming. Um, we had started him in therapy when he was, before he even turned two, we started speech therapy and OT. And also kind of similar to your son, it was like the speech was like the only kind of glaring obvious issue that he was having. Um, he also is, as you were kind of talking about before, with like the chewing, even though like they don't have sensory aversions, there there is the sensory seeker, which it sounds like that's what your son is. It's definitely what my son is. And that in itself is a sensory issue, <laughs> like you were saying. Yeah. So it's like Logan wants to touch everything. He wants to, you know, look at everything and study it. Like it's, you know, but, but to the point where it's like he's fixated on it, not just like, you know, an, uh-huh. any typical child would be like curious about something. But kind of like what you're saying too, like Logan always has a chewy kind of clip to his shirt, like he wants to chew everything. Um, and I, 
similarly to you when he first started OT when they came to evaluate him I was like oh well he doesn't have any sensory aversions and they were like yeah he is what we call a sensory seeker (laughs) and I was like oh that's a thing like I totally I was how you said it was sort of an epiphany I was like oh okay but again it was it was still he was young enough that nothing was like a huge obvious red flag he also did the birthday cake no problem <laughs> like yeah. that cake right up you will now ask people that how did they do at their first birthday party that is so that will interesting. that's so interesting <laughs> that you say that because yeah I, I probably am going I feel like I, I'm always like I mean you look at everything with such a different lens when you have a child with autism but I feel like that's just another thing that I'm gonna add to my repertoire mm-hmm. um yeah. yes but it was similar in that like yeah there there really were no glaring obvious signs except for the speech thing but it was just always this like gnawing thought in the back of my head so then when we actually went in for the diagnosis like I I knew that it was coming um but it was still I mean it's still it's it's hard to process obviously in in the moment maybe like with the slower buildup it softens the blow a little because you expect it you know it's coming and I think my thought was if before he was born somebody would have said your child's going to have autism. I would have been devastated. But then after, you know, I had him <laughs> and mm. it's like, would I rather had no child or child with autism? I would have chosen a child with autism any day, you know? So, and I think that's how most parents feel. Um, but again, it's one of those things until you experience it, you, you just don't get it. Absolutely. No, I, I think that that is such a, I think everyone has that, that fear or not fear, but like, like how you're saying, you know, if you could choose, like, obviously you would choose your son 10 times over, but yeah, when you're, before you are, are really in it to know Mm -hmm. this child is still my baby, like you said, and so precious and perfect Mm -hmm. there, there's nothing that can really show you that until, until you deal with it, until you live it. And that's something that I have had. It's interesting since starting the podcast, that is who I hear from. I feel like the most are parents like just kind of starting out their journey or who are like awaiting a diagnosis. And I, I remember that time and it is so, cause it's like, even though I knew it was coming, you know, you have days where you talk yourself out of it and you're like, right. maybe, maybe it is just a delay. Maybe mm-hmm. it is just like sensory issues and a delay. And like, we can deal with that. You know, like you just like, you, you're, the wheels are spinning all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have parents like that often that reach out to me. And, and the first thing I tell them is I'm like, the number one thing you need to know is that your child is perfect exactly. and they're always going to be perfect. And like, yes. that is, if you can just like hold on to that, even in the hardest times, I think that will always, always get you through. Cause like you said, right. there, there is, there's going to be hard days. There's going to be hard moments, but I think that's another reason why I call the podcast adventures in autism, because I feel like it's all an adventure. (laughs) Sometimes it's a good one. Sometimes it's a bad one. Um, But it's also, it's interesting too. And and how you said, you know, you were, that was your biggest fear. Cause it's like, yeah, you see, you see these little snippets of somebody's life and you're like, well, I don't think I could deal with that. I don't think I could. And I, I remember feeling the same way, but it's like, once you're, once you're in it and you realize like, oh, this is just like, our version of normal it is yeah it, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't seem so scary I mean there's still my mom and I were actually just having this conversation she was like 
I, I know you're, you're scared for the future. Or you fear the future. And I'm like, it's not that I fear it. Like, Oh God, the future is coming. I'm like, what I, what I fear more is the unknown, which I yes. think is always what the scary thing is. It's not like I fear for Logan. Like I know that he's going to be fine. It's just when you, when you don't know what's in front of you, that that part is scary mm-hmm. but I mean it's hard to like you're saying it's hard to explain that even though this is like my mom Logan's grandma unless mm-hmm. you are like the the actual parent in this situation it's hard to like really understand that right like, air quotes fear well, and I think that's why there's a little bit of validation in a diagnosis because then it's not unknown anymore mm-hmm. and it's like okay this is where we are now we need a plan and I'm a planner like I'm type mm-hmm. a I, I need a plan. <laughs> and yeah. once we're like, okay, this is it. Now, what do we do? ABA. Okay, let's do this. And um, it's just kind of, I feel like being a therapist, that was my first go-to was like, okay, therapy, like this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just making sure that he's happy and that he is going to be the best version of himself that he can be. Mm-hmm. And I think not comparing him to you know, obviously not comparing him to his brother, but not even comparing him to same age peers Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm working with those kids right now. And I, you know, I can't do that. I have to think he just needs extra time. He needs more help. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I have changed as a therapist in the last year or so is that I used to look at a kid and I would make goals and I'm like, okay, we're going to fix this. Like whatever it is, receptive language, expressive language, we're going to fix it. And now I look at it, we don't need to fix anything because they aren't broken. We Mm -hmm. just need to help them. And whatever that looks like, that's what we do. Is it, does it mean every kid will talk? You know, sadly, no. Do Mm -hmm. I hope mine does? Yes. And he, you know, he's finally starting to verbally say some things since he's had his device um, almost a year now. And he's really starting to like imitate words. And it's just like so exciting. Mm -hmm. And you know, but I'm like, you know what? He's not broken. Like, I'm not trying to fix him in any way. I, I just want to help him and I want to give him every opportunity to succeed. Oh, you are speaking my language. I'm telling you, it's like, <laughs> it's like we really are a tribe. Like we, you yeah. know, we need each other. Like we, this is like, that's the reason I started my blog. And like, we all feel the same way. We just, we just got to get it out there. <laughs> true. No, I, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think that, especially for me too, like before Logan was diagnosed, I did have that feeling of like, okay, like we'll, you know, we'll do the therapy and we'll fix this, we'll fix that. But yeah, it, it, it really is that piece of like, they, they don't need fixing. They just need support, right? They need love. They need help. They need acceptance. And obviously like we want to set him up for, the the best future possible and that's why you know we do ABA and speech and OT and all that but kind of like you're saying I mean obviously of course I I want your son to talk I want Logan to talk but if they don't we know that they're still going to be okay right it's okay we still love them and they're still wonderful and perfect yes absolutely tell me what you kind of just touched on it but as as a an SLP did you feel like you could fix it with him? Like when he was first starting to have the speech issues or did you feel like it was more difficult because it was your child? I actually took a year off of work to stay home with him because um, when he was 
he was two and a half. We actually took him to Maryland to see Jake Greenspan, um, Stanley Greenspan's um, floor time clinic. Um, we went there and he said, you know, he just really needs intensive, talked about like 20 minute sessions, eight times a day, just very intense. And I thought, you know what, I can do this. And I took a leave of absence from my job for the year and thought, if I just work with him one-on-one, we can do this. Like I knew he was smart and he had potential and I just knew he was in there. He just needed one-on-one. So I took the year off and we went at it so hard. I made a therapy room in our house. We have a sensory room in our basement. I just, you know, I did all the things. (laughs) And a few months in, I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm not enough. He needs more than me. And that was hard to admit. Like I felt like one, I was failing as a therapist and that's my job. Like if I can't get my own kid to talk, how can I help anybody else? (laughs) But two and worse, I felt like I was failing him as his mom because I couldn't just fix it. Um, So that's when um, we, you know, looked into ABA, got on a waiting list and like, honestly, ABA has just been life-changing. Like, I'm considering going back to school to be a BCBA. Like, it is just... Oh, wow. Like, I, I could sing ABA's praises all day. <laughs> I, I'm very similar, which if you've listened to the podcast, you probably know. I feel like ABA for us has been such a game changer. We have just seen so much progress from Logan since we started, and... I mean, it, it really, I, and I know it gets a bad rep and like, even before, before I started ABA, before Logan was even diagnosed, I knew that we would be, I knew that ABA was going to be what was recommended to us. Cause it is, you know, the most common therapy for autism. So I was, I was knew that it was coming and I was really nervous about it. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be so intense. It's gonna be so hard for him. It's gonna be so hard for us. And I wasn't thinking about how great it was going to be and all of the positives that were going to come from it. Mm-hmm. And then once we actually started it and we're in it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, the, the positives just completely outweigh the negatives. Yes. Like, and as a therapist, like I had seen ABA and you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was my, that was my experience with it. And I thought, Nope, no, we, we don't want that. And another therapist friend of mine recommended this one clinic. And she said, if you go there, they're going to change your mind on what this is. And this was during my year off from work. And I just kept thinking he needs intensive. He needs one-on-one. And what I was wanting for him was ABA. I just didn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. And we got there and I said, like, this is it. This is the answer to my prayers. This is where he needs to be. And I look at my husband. I'm like, I will sell your kidney to get him in here. Um, but the joke is my husband only has one kidney, so, oh. <laughs> um, but I'm sell your one kidney, not your, yeah. not your own kidney. I'm going to sell your kidney. I will sell yours to get him in here. Um, but I mean, it, it has just been, oh my goodness. Like he, he follows directions now. He, and I think the biggest thing it gave him was confidence. Mm-hmm. Like he has learned how to learn and before he wouldn't try new things. Now he, he will try things and he gets excited when he can do it. And then I think for us, it gives us hope because we're seeing that progress and we're like, you know what? I knew he was in there. I knew he could do it. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome. I, I love that you said he learned how to learn because I feel like that is something that is 
is really difficult to understand about autism. Even for me, sometimes I forget how we just have to break things down so much more than I even think we do. Mm-hmm. And it's like once once we break them down and all the pieces are on the table, Logan is able to to figure it out. But it's like we we start at the top of the mountain. <laughs> And, and that's always what's so difficult, but it's like, okay, no, let's just start at the very bottom of the mountain and like little by little, we're going to climb up it. And it's like, you, you, you see that you're, you're able to get there. It's just the process is, it's so different. And when you say like, he, he learned how to learn, that's such mm-hmm. a perfect way to say it because it's like, you really do. You have to just like break down each little step. And then just like you're saying, they do, they get this confidence and they, they can then attribute that to other things. And it just like, it grows and grows and it builds from there. Um, that's, that's so incredible. That's just well, like, it, just, it, it carries over to every aspect of, yeah. of our whole family's life. You know, it's not, it's not just him. I mean, it's everything. Like we can go to restaurants and eat now and we couldn't do that before. Mm-hmm. Um, just little things like they taught him how to wait. And I never knew how life-changing that would be, <laughs> but it is amazing. Like getting a haircut, we just say, okay, we're going to, we're going to count to 10. And, you know, it was a whole process getting there, but now we can, you know, count to 10 and everyone is, you know, we, we do a little cut and Mm -hmm. we get a haircut. It's amazing. It really, yeah. When you, when you look at, like I said, ABA, it sometimes gets a bad rap. And I think that there's definitely, there has to be some therapists obviously, or, or companies that are better than others. We've been very very lucky to have wonderful therapists his bcba is incredible and all the 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 therapists that carry out those plans are all mm-hmm. amazing um but yeah when you when you see all the good that comes from it and logan loves his therapist and he mm-hmm. has so much fun you and i were talking beforehand because he has a long day you know, mm-hmm. we go to preschool all day he comes, he gets off the bus at two 30. He starts therapy at three and he's not done until six. It's a, it's a very long day for a six year old little boy, but it's, it's like, he enjoys it so much that you, you would never know what a long day it is for him. He really like, as soon as they come to the house, he just today, we have a new therapist starting. He's only met her a couple times. He runs up to her <laughs> and gives her a big hug and our therapy room is in the basement. So he's like dragging her down immediately, like ready to get started because he enjoys it. He has fun. They also use fruit snacks as a reward for him. So that is definitely <laughs> another reason. Yeah. Why he's ready to get going. But it's just like, it, it's, it's so, it's so amazing to me, all the, the different tools and resources that are available now. And I'm just so thankful because yes. yeah, knowing, knowing where we are now with ABA, I shudder to think of where we would be at this point without it, honestly. Exactly. And that's like, I just had this conversation with somebody the other day, like just thinking if our kids would have been born 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. like what would they have had? You know, Colin would not have had an iPad to communicate with. And it, it's kind of scary to think like, wow, we're so fortunate, but just think like, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, this would not have been the case. And, and then then I start thinking, like, I don't know what it's like in your state, but our state, we don't have enough providers. Every, every clinic has huge waiting lists. There are people who want ABA and can't get it. And then I start to think, oh, my goodness, 
Like that could be us. We could be those people who don't have the services. And like that, that just makes me so sad to think that, wow, you know, we do, we are very fortunate and we have these things, but not everybody has it. Yeah, for sure. We, um, I live in, I live in Illinois, like the suburbs of Chicago. We were pretty lucky in that it was a long process to get started. Um, I mean, you know, like there's just always like tons of paperwork and hoops to jump through. Um, so to get actually started with it, it probably took almost like six months from the time that I like called the actual like ABA company itself to starting in our, in our home. Cause we do in home therapy. It probably took about six months, but then once we got started, it, it really, everything has gone really smoothly. We did have a little bit of a transition over the summer not even over the summer, but like kind of as school was starting because Logan's schedule was changing and his therapist that he had last year, they weren't going to fit into his schedule this year. Oh, no. So we had a little bit of a, a gap. And like I said, we just started, we have two new therapists starting just this week. <laughs> um, so we've had a couple months where he, he still, he still had therapy like three days a week, but he wasn't having it and his normal six day a week schedule for a couple months. So that was definitely a challenge. And Mm -hmm. it did make me think about, you know, what if we, what if we had no, no therapy at all? Like that would just be, that would make it so, so much harder. And I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I really feel for those, the parents that are, you know, Mm -hmm. want services and not able to get them because, it, it just, it really does make such a huge difference. Or the parents who have no idea that it even exists and that they should want it. Yeah. Like, I, I realize that's a thing too. I'll say, you know, Colin goes to ABA and people say, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> I have to throw in another plug. Um, <laughs> actually, I have another job I haven't mentioned. Um, oh. I'm the state director of the Mountaineer Autism Project. It's a oh, nonprofit in West Virginia. Okay. Yes. I want to hear all about this. Yes. So um, actually, I got I got hooked up with this because of the director of um, Collins ABA clinic is on the board and she's like, hey, we need a director. What do you think? And um, but we are really supporting, you know, that early intensive behavior intervention. And like, that's one of our goals. Like, we know we need more providers in the state. So what can we do to get people to be BCBAs? <laughs> so because we're looking at, you know, one in 59 now. So that number is just going to go up and up and up. And every year we have more kids. And I've taken the information in West Virginia on birth rates and, you know, how many kids we have born a day. And it's about one kid per day born with autism because we are, you know, we're a smaller, more rural state. But one kid a day adds up. and yeah. We, we don't have the resources for that. So, you know, what do we do? So um, that's, that's a big part of, of my job there. Um, And just, you know, advocacy and education for people like, hey, this is ABA, this is why you should want it. (laughs) And, And directing people to the services in their area. So what an incredible, just like full circle journey for you that it was like, you started your career as an SLP. And like you said, autism was like your biggest fear. And now here you are not only an autism mom, but you are helping others and, you know, see, like you said, giving the resources and providing the tools for those resources. It's just like so crazy how the universe makes things happen. (laughs) 
and I think like I think that's part of it like I'm a very religious person and I just feel like God saw me like okay you think you can't do this but guess what I'm gonna give you the tools to do it I'm Mm -hmm. gonna give you the right people to do it you're gonna you know Mm-hmm. And just, it's all, you know, because of where I went to college, I knew people there who connected me to my first job that I had. The first job I had, my big girl job, um, <laughs> in my first clinical rotation in grad school. And I met people there. Um, the music therapist there actually directed me to the clinic where my son now goes to school. And it's just, everything has been so connected. I'm like, this is just meant to be. Like, this is not what I would have planned at all. but it's turning out okay. So that's, we're in a good place. Yes, absolutely. I don't, my, my story is, is not as, as interesting as yours, but I feel the same way. (laughs) No, it it is because you have this podcast and look how many people you're connecting who never would have met and never would have heard each other's stories. And so don't tell yourself that. (laughs) No, I, I I am, the, the podcast has been incredible and I'm, I'm so, so happy that, it's it's connecting with people and, and resonating with people. Um, I, I'm thrilled to, to do it. But I just mean like I feel like in general as much because and I and I never really thought about autism before I had Logan. I really didn't know anybody with autism. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like I had anything to 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 compare it to. Um, but I I would have felt the same way kind of that that you I, I definitely did think there were times when I would see parents with kids with special needs and I would think oh that must be so hard oh like you know I feel so bad for them and I look back at my old self now and I'm just like oh you're so ignorant because (laughs) like like you said you when you just look at like those hard things you you don't see all the joy and Mm -hmm. the amazing beautiful moments that that come from being a parent of of a child with autism or I would imagine any special needs because it's just like you you learn you you just develop a a more of an appreciation for everything you learn what's important and what's not and your your perspective on I'm speaking for myself but I think this is how a lot of parents feel (laughs) your perspective on everything just changes I just I view everything with with a different pair of eyes now because it's just like I see things in a way that I never would have had I not had a child with autism and it it really like I've said it before but I'm just at the end of the day I'm really just thankful for Logan because he's a gift but also just because it's it's really showed me like I said just what's what's important and what's not Mm -hmm. I agree yeah you just just took the words right out of my mouth (laughs) (laughs) the only other thing I wanted to ask you because I don't think I've had anybody on the show yet who has um a child that uses a device tell me like how how that came to be with with getting him the device and like getting him to work with it and all that um I had tried everything with him I had tried like picture exchange I had tried you know going to the snack cabinet and velcroing pictures of things that he liked he just didn't do like he liked to carry the pictures around and play with them, but to really use them to communicate, not at all. I had tried some simple, um, like I'm gonna get this free app and try it, and it was more stemming with it, like, oh, I like the way that sounds, so I'm gonna push this button 10,000 times. Um, 
So when he started ABA, they said, yep, we, we jump right into it. And a lot of people, BCBAs, um, really put an emphasis on sign language. And I had tried that with him and he just was not receptive at all. So where he goes, they're very big into devices and they're like, we got to get these kids away to communicate. So they tried a couple of um, lower end type cheaper things at first and they just didn't work. And they said, you know what, we're going to do lamp. Um, so he has an iPad and he uses, it's from Printkey Romic. It's the language acquisition through motor planning. Mm-hmm. Um, words for it's lamp words for life I believe is the actual full title um, and they just basically at the time he really liked straws and he would put one on each finger and he would be doing the daddy finger song <laughs> with it <laughs> and that's how they started they put the straws on there and they just you know taught manding for um, the straws mm-hmm. and he, it was like I know it wasn't overnight, but I feel like it was just overnight. Like he just got it. Mm -hmm. And it's like his eyes just lit up like, oh my gosh, I want this. I told you and you got it for me. And he, I mean, he carries it with him everywhere. Um, It's, it's just been awesome. That's amazing. And I feel like, I mean, it was rough. Like it, it wasn't just, oh, here, you're going to do this. And he did it. I mean, the first, first few weeks, he had some crying sessions and it, it was rough, but, um, they were able to stick it out where mommy couldn't do it. <laughs> if I would have been left to do it myself, I, I couldn't have done it. Um, but it's, I'm a little bit of a pushover when it comes to that. So oh, me too. you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both of my kids have, they play me all the time. So. Yeah. I'm I'm the same way. I'm not a very good disciplinarian by any stretch. No, 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 no. Um, me that is amazing. Logan uses packs now, and he actually does really well with it. But he's getting to the point where he has so many packs. I think we will be moving to a device. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. there is a packs app. I'm not sure if you know that. I do, where they can like make the sentences with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think I mean it's it's cheaper. It's not it's not super expensive. We tried that one at first, and it where the pictures kind of bounced on the screen when you touched it that was just too much fun to watch <laughs> so um, that one didn't work but lamp has been um it has been amazing and he is so fast um like if he's wanting oreos it's like a three button push to get to it he's so fast he pushes the first button and he has his finger waiting at the second spot before the screen <laughs> even changes so it's it's so cool Ready to go. He wants that Oreo. <laughs> it's it's so incredible how it's like they they just they know so much. Mm-hmm. They're especially when they're motivated. It's just like finding finding whatever that is to motivate them, and then it's mm-hmm. just like they take off like gangbusters. It's so crazy. And I think that's the thing that people don't understand about ABA. I mean, it's science, and right, why it works. <laughs> I mean, it's yes. it's proven. And I it's talked just- about that. Yeah, I've talked about that before on the podcast that I was surprised when we first started ABA by how much like data they were collecting. And it was like they would send because we do like a team meeting every every like four to six weeks and they would send me like these literal like spreadsheets and like graphs and pie charts. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of mathematical nonsense? Like, <laughs> it, it's so crazy when you when you really like it, it looks like they're just playing and they're like having fun and they're you know, they're running programs, obviously. But it's like when you actually look at like all the data they're collecting and then the science behind that, 
mm-hmm. it, I mean, like you said, it's it, ABA works because like it is, it is mathematical science. Like the mm-hmm. way that they are doing these things, it is so, it's so intricate and it's just like, it really, it, it really is just incredible. I say they're the smartest people I've ever met. Like I tell them that every day. Like they probably love to see me coming because I'm full of compliments like all the time. Like you guys are amazing. They are. Yeah. I know. I, f- I feel the same way for sure. Well, Deirdre, it has just been a delight to talk to you. I said before, but I, I love your Southern accent. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to share, obviously, again, tell us your books, but then also where people can connect with you and your blog. Okay. Um, my first book is buy one, then get one free. Um, if you just type my name into Amazon, it's going to pop up. Um, and then Artie is awesome is the children's book also on Amazon. Um, my blog is the slpmom.com. I used to have a Facebook page connected with it. And then Facebook kept wanting me to pay them to boost things. And it just stopped showing things to people. And I was like, Facebook, I'm not paying you money. So um, I just have the blog. Way. <laughs> oh, I said, I feel, no, they always want me to, cause I have a page for the podcast and they're always the same thing. Like want it. They're like, Hey, make an ad. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> You, I'm paying for ABA here. I can't afford to pay you Facebook. Right? <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't, I don't, th- I don't have an Instagram anymore either. Um, I tried to keep up all these things and it was just too much. I was like, you know what? I just want to write. So it'll be there. If people want to see it, it's there. And um, so, and I think, oh. and my nonprofit, um, it's mountaineerautismproject.org. If anybody is interested in that. Wonderful. And I think that is it. Okay. Awesome. Well, Deirdre, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. And I can't wait to, to read your books and check out your blog and everything. So everybody go do that. Yeah. Lots of reading. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. You take care. You too. Bye. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Deirdre. I just love talking with her, and I think she is such an amazing mom and therapist and author and advocate. Uh, It's just, it's amazing everything that she's been able to accomplish. Um, And she just does it all with such a great attitude, which I think is the key to just about everything in life (laughs) is having a good attitude. So, um, thank you again so much for listening and to everyone who has written reviews. Uh, if you would be so kind to leave a review, I would really appreciate it, especially on Apple podcast that really does help people to find the show. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at adventures in autism podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. I love hearing from you guys. And if you just want to chat, say hi, or if you have a story that you want to share on the podcast, please hit me up. And that's all for now. So until next time, thank you. Mm-hmm.